Um, turn to Ephesians 3. That's where we're going to be this morning, Ephesians 3. Um, you can use your phone if you want. There's Bibles on the tables. If you're using one of our blue Bibles, that's going to be on page 568, Ephesians 3. Um, and before we do that, like I said, today's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more laid back. It's going to be a little bit more conversational in uh, how we work through the text. And um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go verse by verse a little bit and point out a few things that I think might be helpful for us to reflect on together and, uh, and invite y'all to have some conversation around a few questions uh, that I've prepared. Um, but, but before I do that, I just want to lay, um, just kind of lay a few uh, ground rules for, for what this is supposed to be like. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a small group before where people share and maybe you're with some close six, you know, six or eight friends and you're all close and you're all like really trusting of each other. Uh, there's a certain safety and a certain vulnerability you can have in those circles because of the trust level. But I don't know if you've ever experienced being in a situation where you didn't feel safe to share uh, because of a, of a particular person or because of the way someone uh, was uh, interacting with you in a conversation. And, and that's not what we want to create here um, in these environments. So I, I just want to lay a few guidelines. These are not like hard and fast rules. But I just want, as a family, I think it's helpful for us to know how to communicate with one another in a space like this so that we don't unintentionally create a place where people are scared uh, to be vulnerable, okay? So I, I just wanna point out a few ways that we can have healthy communication, if you'll let me, and this may seem unnecessary, but we've experienced before this, the side of doing this the wrong way. So we're gonna try and create a, a healthy environment here. So um, the first one is just, uh, I'll just say it like this, we wanna avoid what's called crosstalk. And this is real popular in 12-step programs, and we're not gonna do it exactly like that, but. Crosstalk is when someone's sharing and you interject um, and you either share um, something, uh, a word of advice, or you're speaking into their experience in some way. And I just want to lovingly say that that's not what this space is for um, over the next few minutes as we interact with each other. You know, um, so if I'm sitting down with, with Matt and, you know, Matt shares with me about anxiety that he's having about around a particular circumstance, you know, crosstalk would be me saying, you know, it really helps me when I just repeat this Bible verse, Philippians 4, 6, in my mind, and I think you should try that. Um, that would be, that would be crosstalk, okay? Or, or you can even do this in prayer when you're like, God, would you just help Matt know that he needs to trust you? <laughs> it's like a backhanded way of offering advice, even in prayer. And we just, we just don't want to create that environment where people are constantly sharing their like feelings and their pain and their thoughts about their journey with God. And people are like speaking back into it and offering advice and input and in, in, in all these things. And so that's not to create a culture where, where we can't talk and give feedback, but I, I wanna help us have our language um, directed in a particular way that isn't towards advice. So um, the way that I want us to do that is, is to show support and appreciation rather than trying to fix, okay? Uh, we want to show support and appreciation rather than trying to fix. This will go against some of what a lot of us are maybe used to in conversations like this, but it's totally okay and very appropriate for us to just say, hey, thanks for sharing. I really appreciate uh, you sharing that. Uh, I really, man, that thought was really helpful to me. That was a really, really helpful thought. Thanks for being vulnerable with us. It's not like someone shares and then you're like, oh, I can't say anything. <laughs> you know, it's just showing appreciation and support rather than trying to jump in and fix. And uh, if someone asks for feedback in that way, that's okay. If they're like, hey, I would appreciate your advice. I don't know what to do. Then, then that's a little different. But outside of someone saying, hey, I need specific feedback, let's just have a culture where we support and we show appreciation for the, the journeys that people are on 
without creating a culture of judgment or speaking back into. Does that, does that make sense? Does everyone under, kind of understand that? And that's something that we can all take responsibility for. So if someone just starts like nailing advice and like, hey, well, here, my friend experienced that. Let me give you the, the card of this counselor that I went to. You know, if, the, if someone starts speaking that way, let's just own it and say, hey, I, I think that's crosstalk. Let's, let's just kind of stay away from that. And if you do that on accident, it's totally okay. We'll, we'll show grace and just say, oh, my bad. I didn't mean to, okay? So let's just kind of all own that as a family, okay? Guidelines out of the way. Is that okay? Let's all agree to that. Um, so um, let's jump into the text a little bit. And, uh, and I think this is gonna be um, a really fun, fun day for us. So um, Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3 is where we're gonna be. You know, we've been in this series in Ephesians for the past few months. And uh, we've just been studying this letter that this guy named Paul wrote to the early church. He's just been pouring out his heart in prayer and just asking for God to move in their lives. And you know, last week we looked at this text where you know, we saw that, that God has invited all people into the family of God and sort of this revolutionary thing. So I wanna read verses uh, one through 13 of, of chapter three, and Paul elaborates on that a little bit, this idea that God is opening up the family of God to everyone in the world. So let's, uh, let's start in verse one, chapter three of Ephesians. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity uh, for us to gather around as a family. And, and I just ask that you would speak, Holy Spirit, uh, that you would open our eyes, that you would enlighten our hearts so that we could hear from you that we could hear from one another and, and begin to take steps with you today in, in whatever you're inviting us into. Uh, we know we need your help to do this, and so we ask boldly for your help um, as we enter into this time. We ask this for your name, Jesus. Amen. So what I love about this passage um, is, is the way that Paul talks about mystery. So I love mystery novels. Like anybody like love mystery movies, novels, like stuff that you just like don't know the whole thing. And then at the end, it's like, whoa, <laughs> like that. Did not see that coming. Anybody like those types of movies? Okay, like three people, great. Um, I love being able to watch these movies for the first time. Like the, I wish I could go back and watch Inception for the first time, just to like not know what's happening and then experience it all over again. Like it would just be so fun. And, and Paul's talking about mystery. He talks about mystery four or five times throughout this text. And the mystery he's talking about here is, is not this mystery that's kind of like a mystery movie, but a mystery is something that is, is unknowable without the help of God. And he's saying there's, this, there's been this mystery that for generations and, and for, throughout all time, the people of God did not know. And he just lays it out, right? 
in verse six. He says, this mystery is, so he's, he's figured it out. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And we talked about this last week, that the Gentile people, anyone that's not a Jewish person is now included in the family of God. So he's saying the mystery that was not available to all people before this is now that God, God wants to save everybody. Like that's the mystery. That's what God wants to say. And that's a really huge thing. That's kind of what he's getting at here. And, and I love how, how Paul um, uh, uncovers this. He's like, now we see that God's plan is not for us all to segregate into our own little cultures of you know, homogenous, everyone is like us in every single way, but that God's church would be this multi-ethnic, racial, gender, like everything would be diversified to reflect um, the heart of God in this way. He said, everybody's included. Any, even people that have been racially or economically, socially, culturally divided for thousands of years. That's the big point that, that Paul is getting at in this text. And, and what I wanna do for a moment is lean into it, just a, a few different parts, a couple different parts of this text and invite you guys to have some conversation around that at, around that at your table. So the first one is around verse, uh, verse two. So jump back into verse one with me for a moment. And I'll read these verses again. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, um, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming, here it is, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. I want you to think about this idea for a moment. Paul's saying, God has given grace to me for you and I am stewarding that grace. I want us to think about what, what this might mean for Paul, what this might mean for us. You know, we've talked about stewardship several times here at Ethos over the past year. This idea that God has entrusted some things to people. Uh, he's given them some things. And, and there's a way that we can utilize and use those gifts in a way that glorifies and magnifies who Christ is. So if you, you remember the, the parable, maybe you've heard this parable before in, in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus tells a parable, the parable of the talents. Uh, and it talks about, Jesus says, hey, there, it's like there's this master who leaves a few of his servants some talents or some resources and you know, the parable goes on, it says, okay, he left a little bit to this person, he left more to that person, a lot to this person. And, and the master leaves. And a few months later, the master comes back and, and uh, kind of evaluates how the servants uh, used the resources that the master gave. And if you remember the story, you know, one person or two of them like invested and used those resources. And then one of those servants just buried it and didn't do anything with it, didn't utilize it, didn't, uh, didn't experience it at all. And, and the master has some pretty harsh words for that servant. And the idea is that the, the gifts of God are not imparted to us to be buried. Uh, they're, not, they're not imparted to us. Resources and time and talents and treasure, all these things that God has given to us are not given so that we can just bury them and not use them for his glory. So that's the idea of stewardship. And, and there's this other side of what Paul's saying is that he's talking about it as grace. There's grace that was given to me for you. So I want us to think for a moment, you know, what, what are these things in our lives that God has given us as grace that we are called to steward for the sake of others? Um, this could be things like, you know, some of the things you feel called to, so like a ministry or a passion that you feel like really invested in. Maybe it's a particular interest that you are just very involved in. Maybe this is um, a gift, a spiritual gift or a skill that you have in life. Um, maybe it's financial resources, a spiritual, um, a spiritual guidance that you want to give people or, or pain that you've experienced that now can be used. Like these are some of the areas of grace that God has given us that we now have the opportunity to steward for others. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to talk at your tables 
for about five or seven minutes. And uh, just briefly, if, if you know you're an oversharer, set a timer on your phone, you know, don't take all 10, you know, 10 minutes. Um, but I want you to just kind of discuss these questions for a few minutes. What, what do you think those places of grace are in your life? Uh, what are those things that God has said, hey, I've given you these things. I've given grace to you. Um, and then secondly, what areas of grace might God be inviting you to steward uh, in your life um, for, for others, for his glory, okay? So if, if you don't feel comfortable sharing, that's totally okay. You can just, hey, I, I don't know if I have any thoughts on that or I, I think I'm good. You, know, you don't have to share at all. Um, but if you do share, try and do so um, moderately briefly. I'm gonna give you about five or seven minutes to talk uh, about this and then I'll transition us into the next section. So Brooke's gonna put on some, some music for a moment. So let's, uh, let's spend a few minutes and just kind of talk and discuss what, what might those places of grace be for us and how might we steward those in our lives. So let's, let's talk and, and reflect for a few minutes. Give you a couple more seconds to finish up your conversations. I'm going to go ahead and transition us and uh, I'm going to focus on maybe a different part of the text. I know we could probably talk about the, these places in our lives for a while. And, uh, and so um, but I'm, I'm going to continue, continue going. Hopefully this kind of whet your appetite a little bit to keep thinking about this throughout your week. But, um, you know, Paul continues in this text and keeps driving home this main point. You know, hey, there was a mystery. It wasn't revealed in the prophets. It wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. But now it's been revealed by the Spirit, and God wants to save all people, regardless of, of any background or distinction that humans create. And, uh, and I love that. And, and the, the, next, the next section that I want us to focus on is from verses 8 through 10, and kind of the underlying uh, thing that Paul's doing here. So let's jump back into verse, verses 8 through 10. Um, Paul says, to me, uh, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, right? The grace language again. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that, I love this, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. You just hear how Paul is so outward focused in this, right? 
He's just like, I've been given the grace so that I can make known to anybody that'll listen the unsearchable riches of Christ, the, the love of God, what's been made known. Like that, that is the grace of God in my life. And, and the implicit thing that Paul is doing here is really, really cool because uh, we, we know from other parts of the scripture that Paul was just this deeply pious Jewish man. I mean, he was all the way on the inner circle of the religious system of that day. He's even going to talk in 2 Corinthians. He's just like almost boasting about all the ways he, he was like nailing it. He was like, okay, you want to talk like lineage? I've got you beat. You want to talk like memorizing the scripture? I own you. Like, he just like kind of goes through all these things. And he's like, I'm in the top of my game in the religious system. And he goes on to say, but I count all of it as rubbish or trash for the sake of knowing Christ. And that's sort of the, the, the heartbeat that Paul has, that he would take all of this power and privilege and experience and that he would lay it down and forsake it for the sake of the outsider, uh, those that weren't Jewish. What he points out are the Gentiles. So it's this, this man that has just unbelievable power and privilege in the religious system of the day. And he's just laying it down for the sake of others. Just laying it down. He says, the grace of God on my life is to lay down that privilege, to lay down that power, so that I can lift up and include the outsider in the family of God. I mean, it's just this beautiful heart that this man has. And, and I think there's something for us all to want to imitate uh, in, in him. So um, I, I want to say, this might be a really hard question to ask. I don't know, but I think it's important for us to wrestle with, okay? Um, what does it look like for you and I to take the places that we have influence and power and privilege and to leverage that for the sake of others? Okay, so uh, I'll put this on the screen. We'll say it this way. What does it look like in our lives personally, communally, maybe as a church, to advocate for the outsider? So, I mean, a lot of us in this room, I mean, middle class, right? We're all doing pretty well. We're all in school, young adults or young professionals in the city. Um, And we have a lot of privilege here. Um, What does it look like for us to to take that privilege, to take that that power in some ways that God's given us and to leverage that for the sake of others? I I think that's an important question for us to ask. So maybe in this, it's like, okay, who's the outsider? Who's the outsider in my life? Who's the person that feels like they're on the outside of of the family of God or they're they're too far gone, right? Um, Who's the outsider in our culture uh, by race or by sexual orientation or by any other distinction that we might give them in our culture or, or in our community in Nashville, those experiencing homelessness. You know, we can go a lot of different angles. So what does it look like for us to say, okay, where's God given me some influence and some privilege and some power? And how might I lay that down uh, or, or leverage that and advocate for the sake of those who feel like they're on the outside? Um, that may be the hardest question in the world to answer. So I, I realize that, but I just want to start some conversation and see if that's something that we as a community can wrestle with and see how we personally and both as a church, as a family, can, can begin to take steps in that area. So um, do your best to wrestle with that. And uh, if you can't, I'll just apologize and say, okay, that was my bad. That's too, too big of a question and, and I'll, I'll transition this. So um, take, take a few minutes and uh, let's uh, discuss this and then we'll continue.
Give you a couple more seconds to transition to finish up your conversations. All right, so I'm going to take us into our final time today, um, just in a time of communion. So this is something we do every week where we, we come to the table in, around the bread and the juice. And um, this is a, just like an age-old practice for the church. And, and it serves as a reminder for us uh, to remember the, the blood and the body of Jesus that was given for us so that we could have forgiveness. Um, and this is such a beautiful reminder, but it's also a means of experiencing and receiving the ongoing grace of Christ, just to uh, re- receive what Christ is offering you today in terms of grace and, and forgiveness. So um, I want to center our, our final time, just real brief time of, of communion by inviting you to think of a word or a phrase that embodies something you're thankful for in life right now. Um, I think I have, yeah. So what is an area in your life that you're thankful to God for? So, um, you know, a lot of us, we, we could just note like so many things we're thankful for in life right now. And, and I just want you to um, just think of a word, a single word or a single phrase, you know, not, not talking for four or five minutes, but just, you know, what's it, a word or phrase that embodies, hey man, this is something I'm so thankful for. Because uh, James is gonna tell us in the book of James, every good gift we have is from the Lord. Um, every good gift in, in, in our lives is from God. So um, share that with, with your table. Just kind of go around your table. Hey, this is what I'm thankful for, the word or phrase. And then have somebody pray for your table, um, at your table. And then I invite you to take communion together as we um, transition. So you can do that after you finish praying, take communion. And then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll invite you all to stand as we continue in worship. So take a moment to share about uh, what you're thankful for. If you've had a chance to share, go ahead and and pray together and take communion together. Give us a few more moments and then I'll pray for us and lead us into worship.
I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. You can finish up praying and taking communion. I'm going to pray for us as we transition into our final time of worship. Um, God, thank you for this uh, just amazing day that we've had. Um, Thank you that um, your church is the picture of who you are. And we we know that we don't usually do that perfectly. We don't ever do that perfectly. Um, But we we want to, to look like you. We want to be like you. So I just pray that um, the conversations, that, that what we shared today would um, just carry uh, your grace and your love and your kindness um, into our weeks, that you would continue to, to help us um, grow and take steps with you in these areas as we seek to embody you more fully in the world. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We ask this all for your beautiful name. Amen.